A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means that adult language is probably going to be present, just so you know. Hey friends, Kevin here. Before we begin this podcast, I wanted to share with you something really, really cool. Here's a sneak peek at my friend's new podcast, Kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope is a podcast about identity, faith, and social engagement in these dangerous times, and it's going to feature conversations with some really incredible people. Here's the season one trailer. Welcome to Kaleidoscope. I'm your host, Deborah Jian Lee. So I'm the only brown guy at this white Christian party, and this drunk guy stumbles towards me. He looks at the beanie I'm wearing, and he says, why don't you take that hat off? You look like a terrorist. He very calmly took the Bible and then tapped on it and, and showed me the verses that, you know, spoke to women shall have no authority over men in the church. You know, when you, like, are in such a sad, lonely place and you ask your deepest, darkest questions. Like, I'm black, I'm a lesbian, and a Christian. Is there a church for me? I've been reporting on the margins of faith for years. All right, I'm just going to test the sound. And on this podcast, I'll explore questions of identity, existence, and social engagement. Um, So I thought we could just start by talking about the faith of your youth. I'll be hosting conversations with people from across the spectrum of belief and non-belief. And we'll travel to the moments that taught them how to engage life and the world in fulfilling ways. I was like, all right, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go to a queer bar as a queer person. And I'm just going to try it on and see how it feels. You realize that you were contributing essentially to white supremacy. It causes you to really second guess what you're giving your life to. Join me and my guests as we expand the conversation about how we can be more fully ourselves. So it did feel kind of weird that my first tattoo wasn't a Christian tattoo, um, but then I have this big gay tattoo. More fully awake. (sighs) It's hard. I mean, it's hard to tell the truth, but it has never seemed more urgent than it does right now. And more fully engaged in this new era. We need to be actually challenging the policies that are hurting the marginalized. You'll feel all the feels. My heart's going like a rabbit. <laughs> and see the constantly changing pattern of existence. There's still so many things that are hard, but now I feel fantastic. So subscribe today and take a look into the kaleidoscope. Let the world see you. When they do, they'll never be the same. You can find Kaleidoscope across social media at kscopepod. That's kscopepod and at kscopepod.com. And on top of that, you can go back and listen to a really great interview I had with Deborah Jean Lee on A Tiny Revolution on episode 12 called The Beautiful Burden. So yeah, go subscribe to Kaleidoscope in the Apple Podcast Store. Leave it a rating. Share it with your friends. This is going to be a really good one, you guys. Okay, here's the show this week. Hi there, my name is Kevin Garcia, and you're listening to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary people living revolutionary lives. Y'all, happy Black History Month to all of my black friends out there. I'm going to be real with y'all. I've gotten pretty much a PhD level education from doing something as simple as listening to black voices in media, on Twitter, YouTube, the people in my circles. Seriously, um, black friends 
from across the country. I am indebted to you for all that you've done for me in my own work and how you support me and correct me and call me out when I need to. And I pray that every single day uh, I'm confronting my own racism and that I, I hope to strive to be a better ally. So that's all I'm going to say about that is that I'm just really thankful for all of my black friends out there who teach me so much. Um, so in honor of Black History Month, I wanted to share some encore episodes featuring conversations I've had with my black friends on this podcast who are making black history here and now. So every week in the month of February, you are going to be getting an encore episode, uh, some from way back when I started this podcast and some you may have heard more recently in the past few months. Either way, they're inspirational, educational, and everything you've ever wanted, to be honest. <laughs> so thanks for joining me for uh, Black History Month. And uh, here is an encore episode. I am excited about today's conversation, so let me introduce my friend, the wonderful Crystal Cheatham, to you. You may remember Crystal as the creator of the Identity Kit for Queer Christian Youth, Follow the Red Balloon campaign or the queer Christian folk singer that passed through your town once upon a time like a million years ago. She is also the gal around town writing queer faith articles for Philadelphia Gay Newspaper, The Huffington Post, The New Civil Rights Movement, and other online publications. In all of her writing, singing, and performing, she's been candid about her time growing up in a fundamentalist church and how confusing it was to come out and deal with the whole clusterfuck that is second puberty, being a black woman in America, and a lesbian, all while documenting this journey through music, her podcast, Lord Have Mercy, videos, articles, and the like. Most recently, Crystal successfully completed her Indiegogo campaign for something called the Our Bible App, a Bible app that is specifically designed and created for the spiritual other, LGBTQ folks, people of color, women, etc., etc. And we'll get all of that extensively in this conversation as well as share with her story. So, y'all, I feel like in this conversation, I met kind of like my soul sister. Um, she's an amazing, amazing person, and I'm excited to share this with you. So, go ahead, grab yourself something to drink or your friend, or get grab something, grab the table in front of you, grab hold of the spirit, y'all. And enjoy this conversation with my new soul sibling, Crystal Cheatham. I am a lesbian. I'm a Christian. I'm a black woman. Um, I live in Philadelphia. And I have been a queer Christian activist, uh, I think, since 2011. So... Um, doing this work and in my creative time, I sing and I play guitar and, um, I've been a writer, uh, most of my professional life. And I think, I think that's, I think that's mostly what, what people see when they look me up on the internet is, right. uh, my writing and my singing and, and I guess this app that's coming out. <laughs> yeah. Which is insane. So, um, I assume like many people with our kind of identifiers being queer and Christian. Did you grow up in a Christian environment or did it, is it something you discovered later in life? Oh yeah, I did. I grew up a Seventh-day Adventist, so oh. very strict religious background that was based around like family and music and, you know, really good, really healthy food. But I guess the main part of, uh, of the community is um, having a, a biblical lifestyle as close as you can 
And so um, just growing up in that fundamentalist space where we, you know, went to church on Saturday and we kept the Sabbath and we kept kosher and, you know, all of that, um, it instilled in me a huge uh, faith in God and um, I think uh, a moral compass um, that is aligned with most Christians. Um, But also it didn't quite allow me to experience or understand my identity to its to to its full potential so you know eventually i just had to segue out of that space and figure out who i was <laughs> right i'm sure that was like uh uh along the lines of your coming to terms with your sexuality um along with your religious background i'm sure like many of us it was kind of a tumultuous transition yeah, you know, I don't think any of any of us get off scot free. <laughs> right. There's there's always a price and a penalty to pay, but um, once you find your people, once you find your people, you can definitely um, figure out uh, where you belong and what you believe and how you're gonna conduct your life. And I think I definitely went through the the growing pains of like that second puberty of trying to figure out mm-hmm. who I was in God's eyes and in my parents' eyes and who I thought I was and who my friends were and what I, what I worshiped or who I worshiped. And it was tough. It was tough, but I did, I did find a couple organizations that really helped me out a lot, like the Attic Youth Center here in Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. um, the William Wake Community Center, which is Philly's, uh, LGBT center, um, and Soul Force as well. I worked with, right. Um, and I think lastly was um, my master's program uh, in California. Antioch uh, has a uh, uh, MFA program where like I think two thirds of the of the student body were all queer in some way. That sounds At least beautiful. I, yeah. So it was like I came right out of college um, and I had just I had recently come out. And so jumping from like a uh, I went to a a seventh-day Adventist school in Michigan. So leaving Michigan and going to California, you know, leaving like I go to church every Saturday to California where it's like, and this is another, you know, poetry reading and this is music and, you know, this is like what a party's like. I mean, it totally blew my mind, but I also found my people there and coming to Philadelphia um, also found my people here. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, we all do it. Oh, absolutely. I think like, it was the same thing for me. Like my transition was from being in missionary world, like evangelical missionary world. Yeah. And then, uh, along the lines of my coming out was like, I moved to Atlanta and I fell like directly into a community of queer Christians. Cause there's like, uh, a pretty active queer Christian community here in Atlanta. Yeah. And so I had a, in the way of people, I found them immediately, but in the way of, how I related to church and my faith, it was like almost different because like I could not find a space where I was allowed to participate in the ways that I had been used to, which is like, I was a worship leader and I was uh, on the prayer team and I was someone who kind of had a, like, you know, it's very interesting how like people will learn one detail about you and then your entire testimony is then like invalidated. Yeah. Because you happen to be a queer person. And that's so nuts to me. 
That's exactly how I felt. And I was a music leader, so I was on stage. And I thought that when I left undergrad, I would start a music ministry for youth because those are the people that I worked with. And then to have that just like Mm co-opted, basically, other version of me that they, you know, didn't like. It was just so freaking weird and it broke my heart and um to this day I, I still have problems with the Adventist church but um I'm glad that I was able to separate um church life from spirituality so good mm, yes. spirituality um and I know that's not easy for a lot of people um which is you know one of the reasons why I think building this app is so important because um, we all need support and it's not always within arm's reach in our communities, in our churches, with our pastors and, um, being able to access church on a phone, um, and kind of go through that, uh, devotional therapy is, um, is, I think is going to repair so much of our community, um, yeah. that has needed this for a while. So. Yeah. I think like, that's like the one thing I was so excited to, to hear as well was like it wasn't just going to be like oh you have access to the bible because like yeah. you know you can go to any bible app with that but um that's something yeah. I, I found a lot too is just like all these different apps out there devotional apps that were built with um not us in mind you know yeah. people who have experienced a lot of hurt from the church a lot of uh kind of like spiritual trauma or abuse like knowing that you can like open up something uh, like a devotional and wonder whether or not you're going to get like re-triggered or re-traumatized by something. It's Yeah. So I think what I have found so interesting about Christianity in general is that, um, so let's say you become saved and you, you go to a church and, um, or you're not saved. You just decide to go to a church and you're sitting there and you're talking to people and come to find out, you know, you are totally comfortable with like premarital sex or smoking and drinking or whatever. And everybody else in the church frowns down upon these things. And it's like, it's whatever your quote unquote sin is, even though I don't think any of those are sins right. for your whatever it is that you that you do there's no reason why somebody should look down on you for not having learned what they know you know so if you if you if a church member has learned that um their relationships don't work very well when they're having sex before marriage they shouldn't be so condescending as to look down on somebody else who hasn't learned that lesson yet mm-hmm. and i think that's exactly what Christianity has become. It's become a club where unless you know the rules and know the stripes to wear, then they're going to, you're, you're going to feel like shit, you know? Yeah. And what I hope they, this app does is, um, speaks to the spectrum of spiritualities out there where it doesn't matter, you know, where you are along your spiritual path, you should be able to, find something uh, that speaks to your heart and helps you get to the next level, whatever that level is. And so unlike those other apps out there, we actually have um, devotionals that are, you know, prime and ready for those, you know, theological 
um, seminarian types, <laughs> you know, where it, it's very biblical based. And then we have those devotionals that um, just talk about the the ego or the good naturedness of people and um, how to forgive somebody. And um, and yeah, so. Yeah. As like right now, so I recently started a house church with um, some people oh, in my community, so yeah. um, and it's led by queer people and people of color and women, and we have so many different types of people. And I think what I keep finding is that the person who comes to our meetings are people who are like exactly what you were talking about. People who grew up in the church, who have a love for, uh, you know, for Jesus, but then you know, because of this one thing, because we believe or think differently. Yeah. It's a, uh, they don't, they don't quite feel comfortable with people. They, I totally agree. And, um, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that, you know? Um, so the app is launching on October 11th, which is national coming out day. Yeah. And- <laughs> I'm excited. Um, and we chose that day, not because this app is just for LGBTQ people, but, because we believe that church is the first place that people should come out and not the last. When you find out something as big as, you know, what your orientation is or your gender presentation is, there I mean, what you want to do is share it with the people who who share your heart, you know, who you share your heart with. Right, and, right. you know, for me, especially growing up in a church, you know, I wish that when I had come out to my church, they embraced me. And they said, oh, my goodness, this is great. Um, Or if they had a problem with it, that they embraced me and said, hey, let's talk about this, you know, instead of just the shunning and the, you know, all of a sudden I'm not included. And I mean, it's bullshit, man. It's bullshit. So (laughs) National Coming Out Day is when we're doing it. And um, we're super excited. So excited. Yeah. And I'm excited. I'm also so glad that we're having this conversation now so I can get this up by Monday so we can let all the people know. Yeah. Um, um, and I th- I know like like the same thing for me like as I was struggling to talk about this stuff like I w- like it was so strange to me that like for so long my church was a safe place to talk about things like depression or yeah. um, you know we ha- were a safe place to talk about racial identity but then as soon as like I crossed this line into thinking differently about sexuality and gender uh, my church like. Uh, put the guardrails up and said nope you gotta walk the straight and narrow when it comes to this question yeah isn't it so weird because it's like um you can you can talk to us about anything but because of this thing about purity culture and how we view sex in the body and how we're really not allowed to talk about it ever now that you know somebody is tell is is expressing something to me about their sexuality I get freaked out, you know, mm-hmm. like to me, it just seems like it's a lot of fear. It's a lot of fear, but I'm really sorry that happened to you. Yeah. I mean, it happened a while ago and that's why we're in therapy for it. <laughs> Every queer person I know is in therapy. I know. Ain't that, it's so interesting. Like, and like, uh, I, uh, in my, in my house church, we have three 18 year olds who are like fresh out of high school, like either in community college or just starting college. Um, but they all went to like a big mega church here in Atlanta and grew up in a mega church environment. Mm. And it's so interesting to me that they've gone from this huge, big programmatic place, but because like their story was not able to be held, like they're now finding Jesus 
in a living room with a bunch of other misfits and, you know, yeah. you know sharing sharing the, the bread and the cup with, uh, you know, like, it, it's ama- it's it's beautiful and amazing to me that just, like, one place that has so many resources yeah. still could not feed somebody. Mm. And, like, it's uh, what makes me so excited is that, like, this app is going to be one of those things that starts to feed people again because I know so many LGBTQ people and like post-church people who mm-hmm. still want to be connected with their faith but they can't oh, yeah. uh, because like walking into a church building is so freaking hard for them yeah and what I'm finding is that um, I know everybody makes fun of millennials but I'm a millennial so mm-hmm. yep, here we go. the world that I live in um, but we are more and more curious about um spirituality than we ever have been before you know mm, like yeah we, we're not institutional kind of people we don't love institutions we are entrepreneurs and you know we, we're so independent um and it's really interesting that when it comes to religion i think so many of us can um di- can take religion and separate it from spirituality and really start to figure out what that what that thing is mm-hmm. you know? um i forget where i was going with this but <laughs> well for you can i like kind of like play off of that is like you know for you is there a difference between like religion and spirituality for you or is it kind of a, a mixture of both but how would you define like religion and spirituality for yourself yeah so i guess when i think about religion i think about the the traditions um and maybe even liturgy that come along with um having a church body and a community and a family. And when you have that church body and that family, what you really have is a, a common mindset. Whereas with spirituality, um, you have all the feelings and you can have that community, but you don't all have to believe the same exact thing. And um, right now I'm going to a non-denominational church and I really appreciate that um, everybody gathers in a room and we can sing and praise God. And when the, when the preacher gives a message, um, he can, uh, he or she or they can express, um, what they have, they can express the Bible in very many ways. But, um, when we sit down and talk together about, you know, what we believe heaven and hell are, or, um, what, what we, how we think that, um, people should relate to each other in relationships that it's okay if we disagree. And I think that's heavily dependent on, uh, where our spirit leads us in our lives and how we theologize our own experiences. So I just, I think that religion is a, um, religion is kind of like an exoskeleton for the very flowy and, and, and sensitive and beautiful thing that is spirituality. And we can't ever let the, the religion, the exoskeleton become the whole thing because the living organism is actually spirituality. Yes. And like, what I think is so interesting is like the scriptures, especially the Bible refer to the Holy spirit, uh, like in, in terms of water, in terms of something that's flowing and moving. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, the reason the dead sea is dead is because it's not moving, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think it's very interesting when like, yeah right and so like like, so many ways to think about it because water takes on the shape of of the of of what yeah you know and water changes things water can water has the power to to carve through mountains and um you know that that's the imagery is incredible 
Yeah. And I think there's also like um water and then like how the like the so like the even I think it's like a the Irish, like the Irish mystics would say that like rather than like a dove, the Holy Spirit is like a wild goose. And so just like because the wild goose follows the wind, you know, it goes where it wants to. Um and it's just like there's like so much like and I I just resonate so much with that idea that so many times people will take like the tradition and make that the central focus of a faith rather than um, allowing yourself to experience something, experience something new and allow that, allow you to like fold yourself, like fold it into you. Like, even if it's not a strictly Christian experience, yeah. like I know that there's been moments where I have been singing with a choir, for example, when I was in college and we got to uh, perform with Eric Whitaker and Eric Whitaker is a, uh, self uh self-proclaimed non-religious person but yeah. like performing his music in mass with a symphony like that is a spiritual experience where like i i brushed up against the divine mm. and there's so many moments like that where um i think like like you're right like millennials and just like our our generation of spiritual people are beginning to look at everything in such a broader spectrum of understanding is like oh yeah we thought we knew but we really don't have any idea i know i think we used to be so terrified at least our parents were maybe when we were younger about seeing um the topic or the discussion of god and religion and spirituality being discussed in popular culture but now i see all of these shows coming out like there's preacher there on uh i think fx there's a the young pope, which is on HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another one that's like the good place, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kristen, uh, Kristen Bell in it. Um, all of these things discussing, you know, what life and death and the afterlife, which is really interesting. Um, I wanted to say when you were talking just about like um, the church itself, I am um, and, you know, breaking rules in general, some people enjoying the tradition more than the actual the meat of the service. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as a Seventh-day Adventist, we had to go to church on on Saturday. And I say had because, I mean, we really didn't even have a, we didn't have a choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, um, there we always told a story about uh, Jesus and how he had, um, he had his disciples, they were all following him. And one day he came across a farmer whose oxen had fallen in in a in a well and i don't know if he was telling this story or if this actually happened mm-hmm. but his proposition was do you just let this guy's oxen his 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 livelihood die or because it's the sabbath or do you get down and, and dig it out and the answer was of course you get down and you dig it out and that in itself doing that work is breaking the sabbath but at no time is your religion supposed to come before you know um life and for mm. me everyday life and for me um what the adventists wanted me to do was put religion before figuring out what my life was mm-hmm. i honestly say that if i didn't come out and i stayed an adventist and i got married to a man i mean i i don't think i would be here anymore because it's just so dreary and so um counter the person that i know myself to be inside yeah. and that's the danger of religion is that people um sink their teeth into it and and use it as a way to just kind of block things out whether it's blocking out someone else's humanity or even blocking out their own you know it's it's such a dangerous thing outside of spirituality 
We're going to take a quick break from the conversation, but we'll be right back with more conversation with Crystal. Hold tight. When I was in high school, I won most likely to succeed. I have a master's degree from a fairly uh, difficult school to get into. I happen to be a person who owns their home in Southern California. That's unique. I have a career. I'm a writer. I'm a speaker. I have a dog. I have a lot of friendships. My life should be incredibly fulfilling. And yet, when I look at my own life, it seems like it's not measuring up. At least not measuring up when you think about most likely to succeed. So how is it exactly that I haven't succeeded? Well, I never got married, and I never had those kids. I also have a job that I like, but I don't know that it's my purpose or my soul calling. I feel like somehow I've gotten to the top of things, but it's not quite right. Something is missing. Recently, I learned a word, sonder. The realization that all of us are living different lives, but there's something more. See, there's a lust in all of us, a, a drive in all of us to, to believe that other people are living lives that are better than ours. And it doesn't take long through scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or even looking at the different things that I see people pin on Pinterest that I feel as though somehow my life doesn't equal. I called my best guy friend. My best guy friend is a character that you're going to get to know well. Don't try to be anyone other than John. Harry Connick Jr. is pretty cool, though. He challenged me to a year of figuring out exactly how it is I want to live my life. So challenges, one, and you have to love your job. I like my job. Okay, what else? Okay, dating. Oh. Here's the big one. You need to go on dates, good or bad. So the third thing is... My palms are literally sweating right now. The, the third thing is you have to love where you live. The fourth challenge is you must find friends outside your work circle. Right now, I believe that too many of the people you're hanging around with are associated with work, and I think you have a hard time separating the two. So that's what I've got. 52 weeks. 52 weeks to stop having Sonderless. Some of the questions we're going to look at are, do I even believe in love? Does it matter what my job is? Does where I live really matter that much? I'm going to talk to a lot of people who are a lot smarter than me. They're going to give me challenges and different steps to take. So together, let us take some time. Let us explore. It's scary. It's exciting. And it's the beginning of something new. So I've got a little bit of a story for you. Did you know that A Tiny Revolution actually started out as a conversation with someone at the Wild Goose Festival last year? And that somebody was actually my friend Sarah Heath, who just launched her podcast and you just heard a little advertisement for. Her new podcast is called Sonderless, and it's her, as you heard, 52-week journey to trying to figure out why she is so envious of other people's lives and how she can become more in touch with her own. You can check out that podcast at sonderlustpodcast.com. It's also over in iTunes. Go subscribe. I'm going to be on that podcast pretty soon. I'm so excited to share in that journey. Uh, but yeah, I think you're going to love it. Sarah has always been someone who continually tells me that I'm not dreaming big enough and to ask for the bigger blessings and really see what God can do. She's been such an encourager of this work. So I'm in the season right now where like I'm starting to dream a little bit bigger to see if I can actually do the damn thing. You know what I'm saying? Over the past two years, we've been able to connect with so many people, thousands of people. And just to share the analytics with you real quick, it's thousands of folks across 45 different countries. And that to me is insane. Around an, around a thousand folks uh, look at the videos on YouTube every month, which is understandable because that was my latest project that just started over the summer. Around 5,000 folks listen to the podcast per month, which is pretty astounding. 
and on average 10,000 people come to the blog to read so 16,000 people per month people you never think that you're you're impacting but then you know you show up to a conference and I've, I've met folks that have said like you know that blog you wrote was really helpful or that that podcast helped me come out to my family or a comment on YouTube from a kid in a small town who's holding on to hope. That reminds me why I started doing this kind of stuff. It's because there are people out there who still believe that they're alone. There's still people out there who are trying to hold fast to hope. People who are still in conservative communities, who are a part of conservative families, people who desperately need to hear a good word about who God created them to be. That's why I create these resources, the podcast and the blog and and the YouTube channel, because I believe that literally like being a single voice out there can make such a big difference. And I've seen it firsthand. And I've got a big dream, y'all. I want to do more. I want to reach more people. I want to create more content so that folks can get some hope. People can get resources that are going to lead them into a fearlessly authentic life that we all know we're capable of living. And so that's why this month I'm asking specifically, and I'm interrupting you in the middle of the podcast, to ask a favor of you. I'm asking for 100 of you out there to give just $7 a month to help support this work. That would help us pay for the editing of the podcast, hosting fees. It would allow me to get out from under the hours I have to serve in the restaurant just to make ends meet, which is what I'm doing. Just $7 a month. That's what I'm asking. And that's like 23 cents a day. That's what you paid for your iced coffee this morning, probably. Uh, That's less than what you're going to pay for your tacos or drinks this weekend. That is a small sacrifice that is going to make a huge difference in the amount of creative work that I know we can create on a monthly basis. Just so you know what I'm planning on using that money for, um, not just paying my bills, although that really helps so I can, you know, become more full time at this. But my plan is to use that funding to get a better camera, to get a better microphone for both the podcast and for the YouTube channel. Uh, better software to create more engaging videos. I actually am going to be hiring a podcast editor to produce content faster. There's an office space I want to rent out at a local church that is deeply committed to intersectional justice, which also helps them out with their mission on the local level. Guys, like, there's so much we can do together as a community. And, uh, and additionally with those funds, like, I can dedicate the majority of my weeks to working on creating blogs and podcasts and YouTube videos for people who are desperately in need of empowerment, people who are in desperate need of a good word and for resources to help them live bigger, better, brighter lives. And on top of that, there is a perk that's going to go along with this because I know capitalism is real and we don't want to give something if we ain't getting anything, right? So if you feel like you're one of those people who want to give $7 a month to this, I've been working on writing a daily spiritual devotional that is going to incorporate prayer, meditation, holy scripture, and a way for you to really get grounded in your spiritual practices. And on November 1st, it's going to go live. I'm planning on having it be a continuing part of my ministry to write daily devotionals to help people get reconnected with their faith and scripture and prayer and really reconnect with themselves. And that is also what that $7 a month is going to go to help fund is the time it takes to write that and edit that and make sure that it is of quality. And it's going to come straight to your inbox. And there's other perks associated with being a supporter as well, including t-shirts that I just sent out to all my Patreon supporters, Skype calls, Google Hangouts, and uh, anything else. If you're looking for something else, I'd be willing to do it for you. 
So, my dear friend, here's a question. Do you think that this work is important? Has like has any of this been a good thing for you? Because I, I honestly, I think I know, actually, that we're filling a need in the market right now for people who don't have the resources to turn to. When there's too many voices out there saying that they're not good enough, that the way they're created to be is sinful, that there's no hope. I believe that we can make a difference in this world. I believe that the internet is one of the biggest blessings that God has given us, and we need to use our time, energy, resources, and our and our cash to impact the lives of those around us just on the other side of a keyboard. So I'm asking you, will you partner with me? Just a hundred of y'all, seven dollars a month can make a huge difference. I'll keep you updated every week as to so I can tell you where we all are in our campaign. So keep an eye on the blog, keep an ear to the podcast, and I am I'm hopeful. So if you want to become a supporter and lock yourself into that dope reward, head on over to patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia. Thank you so much in advance. I look forward to collaborating with you. Now, let's get back to the conversation. I hear you and I relate to you so hard like right High that five. was yeah <laughs> gosh okay uh, so it was the same thing for me it was like I was so uh bought into because like the evangelical brain is like a Pentecostal-ish evangelicalism that I was in where women were equal were sort of equal but not really um and queer people you know you should seek divine healing from the spirit because anything is possible with miracles signs and wonders in the whole nine yards And, you know, I still believe in the miracles and the signs and the wonders, but it's one of these things where just like, yes, I believe that God can do anything, but will God do anything just because I ask, you know, if I just believe hard enough. And that it was, it was one of these things where, um, I like, like you just said, like, you know, if you stayed there, like you would have been married to a man, et cetera. Like I was, you know, dating a woman and we were meeting the folks, the whole nine yards and it was really dreary for me because like there was this whole part of me that I suppressed for yeah. so long in the name of adhering to the institution to which I pledged my allegiance. And I think there's a big difference between pledging your allegiance to uh, to the living God um, and there's a big di- and pledging your allegiance to an institution. Um, yes. And that is um, it's a it's a crazy thing to start questioning what you thought was quote unquote true for so long and then knowing that you still like from these things that we we brought in our from our past like there were good foundational truths there um but like going beyond it there was um pastor nadia boltz weber said this um Mm -hmm. at a talk that i heard her give and she said that with like the reformate like you know the 500th anniversary of the reformation coming up um that she believes that the, the Reformation is not going to be because we're becoming more deeply theological or more deeply spiritual, um, but that we're going to be, become more deeply pastoral. And what she meant by that was exactly what you're saying, is that it has little to do with, um, with like, the... Uh, it has little to do with like the, the, the rules and regulations of religion and everything to do with what's right in front of us, what people right in front of us are needing. Yeah. Um, Cause like what, what, sorry, go ahead. 
what she's saying, like it touches my heart and it makes me want to cry because um, a couple years ago I was at the Gay Christian Network conference and Broderick Greer got up to speak at the beginning. Girl, and, I was there. Oh, right? Jesus. It was so good. He was throwing out things about Black Lives Matter before we were ready for it. It was really good. That year but, was amazing. It was. And he uh, he opened up by talking about how we need to theologize our our experiences, you mm. know, and I took that because, um, you know, I went to school at Andrews University where they have a very prominent theological seminary. And mm -hmm. so studying how to theologize, how to put your story, um, at, how to put it out there in a way that that people could could eat it up and 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 and, and, and worship with it, you know, mm -hmm. was something that people it took them years to figure out how to do. And then this idea that each of us has our own story and each of us can figure out a way to theologize it, a way to to um, write it into the text of someone else's life was just like mind blown. And so yeah. it, it's, it's like this 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 thing is spreading. This thing is spreading. And one of the magical things about the app is that we are inviting people to submit devotionals. We're mm -hmm. asking them to submit devotionals. Um, many bloggers have come forward and said, hey, I would love it if you use this material. Um, and so far we have things across the gamut. We have things about depression and mental illness, and we have things about abortion and like badass moms, and we have things about um, the LGBT experience and all of it ties back into scripture and all of it ties back into um, a time and a place where somebody was touched significantly, you know, by, by the, by the wing of God, by the breath of God. And I think it is kind of like we're all breaking apart in our own different spaces, but it's, it's unifying in such a crazy way, you know, like it's the idea, the idea of this app, um, came out of nowhere, but it excites me every single damn day. Every day I get excited about it in a new way. Um, and I really hope that, that people feel that same way too. <laughs> I have absolutely no doubt that this app is going to be something that's going to be instrumental in the development of a lot of people's um, kind of reconstruction of their faith. Because I feel like deconstruction is like such a buzzword these days about people like going through and deconstructing what they think about blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. And so many people yeah. and like rightfully so and people need to have that kind of like explosion of faith where everything crashes and burns. And for me, I, I got stuck there for about a year of just like, okay, I'm angry. I've set everything on fire. Everything is ashes now. And now <laughs> what do I do? And if I would have had something where you know, an app where, like where, where there was a devotional written for a queer person yeah. where I could read it and say, Hey, you know, like this is something in the Bible that was kind of queer, you know, yeah. like look at this relationship or, you know, how, you know, the, the, all the different ways. Cause like now I read scripture and I go through it and I, I can finally see myself in the text again. And I think that's like, that is it. That's right there. That's the thing. Yeah. It's, it's finally like, you know, that's why I believe, like, you know, I still believe the scripture is, like, divinely inspired because I'm just, like, I used to read this one way and because now I have eyes to see it in a different light, like, it's kind of like the gem has been turned and there's new light, new color, new nuance coming through it every single time. And yeah. the fact that, like, it's the text of an oppressed people, mm -hmm. like, that's what so many people, like, I think forget is, like, the Bible was written 
by yeah. oppressed people. Yeah, oh, yeah. And it's mm-hmm. been co-opted by uh, a big fat empire. And like mm. now we're getting to the point where we're just like, guess what? You don't own this. You don't have the monopoly. Exactly. You don't have the monopoly on Holy Scripture. You can't keep me out of this. Yeah. Even if yeah. you tried. Even if you tried, it's not going to happen. Yeah. The water of life just flows too freely. <laughs> that was like when you said that thing about like uh, Roger Gray. He was actually on my podcast like w- at the beginning of it, way back when. I should read really. Yeah, it's a cool guy. <laughs> Such a neat dude. Um, but like the the thing like it always stuck with me is that so- he said some people do theology from the purchase of power, and some people do it as like a means of survival. Yeah. Um. Do you feel like uh, birthing this app and like getting it together and getting all these collaborators has been uh, not just a means of like kind of like reclaiming space for your faith, but maybe even a means of just like this is the thing God put in you and you had to do it to survive? It's definitely that. Um, and, I, and I'll say I have done different versions of this app my ever since I came out, even before I came out, I did a project called the identity kit, which, uh, I mean, sorry, was, uh, follow the red balloon, <laughs> you know, which was about, um, getting people to talk about their identities. And then it was the identity kit, you know, and that, and now, and now it's the app and it, it, I feel like I failed so many times in my life and not achieved the thing that I wanted to achieve or done some random job and thought, why did I have to do that? It was just so frustrating. It took so much time, um, or it's just, just wasn't me. And now that I'm working on this app, it's like all of those random experiences are coming together and I have experience to actually do this thing. And I'll say right now, I'm a one woman army right now. I have a few people who, you know, are giving me a couple hours of their time each week, but I mean, like I am making the phone calls and emailing and, you know, writing things and, and it's, it's, it's tough. It really is hard. And I often cry or want to cry or set things on fire. But I will also say that I am having the time of my life. I really am. And I would have it no other way. And I can't, and I do believe, I do believe this is, this is something that I have to do. Um, whether whether I can afford to pay my rent or not, which is another story we will not talk about right now. Girl, I know I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. It's like I gotta write the, I gotta make the podcast, I gotta make the YouTube videos, I gotta do the thing because it's like the thing no. that God has put in me, and then I'm gonna worry about rent in a minute. You know? Yeah, I just I can't right now. I will in a minute, but yeah, um, yeah. All all in it's all in it's time. All in good yeah. time. I'm so like from one creative to another, I am so pumped and I'm so proud of you for like, I I know I don't even know you at all, but like I, I just resonate so much with your drive to create. And it's, uh, it's so encouraging for me, um, to see you doing this and see like, to see not only like you, like going after the thing that God has put in your heart, but like seeing it succeed like I mean thank you for saying that that's it feels really good because I do feel that you know I've I've met a a kindred soul you know through this conversation but I mean your lips to God's ears that this thing um doesn't flop because I mean me paying my rent is one thing but affording an app is a whole other thing and 
we're looking for sponsors. We're looking for all kinds of, you know, financial goodies to, to help us get to the next month. And um, that's a constant prayer that I'm praying. But uh... that was my conversation with Crystal Cheatham. If you want to connect with her, you can find her on all the social media at Crystal Cheatham. That's C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-C-H-E-A-T-H-A-M. And also on her blog, crystalcheatham.com. Her podcast, Lord Have Mercy, can be found on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And the Our Bible app launches on Wednesday, October 11th. That's National Coming Out Day. And that can be found in the App Store. I can't freaking believe it. I'm so, 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 so excited. You can also follow the app on social media at the Our Bible app and at ourbibleapp.com. Thanks for joining me for a Black History Month Encore episode, friends. I really hope you enjoyed it. Special thanks, as always, to my amazing supporters on Patreon, without whom this podcast would not be possible. Patreon, if you didn't know, is an easy way for you to give back to the creatives you love who make the content you consume in a practical way. It's a, it's a way for you to invest in the work and make sure that it's sustainable and that it gets better. On top of that, there are perks involved with being a sustaining partner. T-shirts and giveaways, daily devotionals, exclusive online communities, and more. So if you'd like this podcast and you're the kind of person who maybe goes out to eat a couple times a week, maybe you buy your coffee instead of make your coffee at home, I bet you have a couple bucks in your back pocket that you'd be willing to give to help create content that is reaching people and helping change some lives in the process. So, uh, if becoming a sustaining partner sounds appealing to you, which I'm sure that it does because you're such a generous human, I know you, you love to give. It's just part of who you are, right? Because you're a good Christian. <laughs> um, you can go over to patreon.com slash Garcia and make your pledge today. On top of that, I'd be super grateful if you could leave a review for A Tiny Revolution in the iTunes store. It's super easy. You can do it on your smartphone, and it's the, probably the easiest way to support this podcast and help get it in front of the people who need it. Finally, I'd love to hear more from you. I'd love to connect with you over on my blog, thekevingarcia.com, where you can comment, uh, leave suggestions, and if you have any ideas for future podcasts, go ahead and leave those in the comment section on the blog. And you can also connect with me across social media on Facebook, Twitter, and on my YouTube channel, all of which can be accessed from my site. That is all from me this week. Join me again next week for another dope conversation. Until then, go see your therapist, call your lover or your PFF, go dancing, eat something delicious, take a nap, take a walk, take a hike if you really are feeling it. Go do some yoga. I don't know. Just do something that makes you feel alive, babe, because you're worth it. Okay? Uh, that's it. Uh, again, my name is Kevin Garcia. This has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution, and we'll talk soon, I'm sure. Bye, honey.